0: Boy, do we have an episode for you. Yeah. (laughs) It's an episode about Bitcoin. Spoiler.
1: No kidding. Well, a lot of things- But first, Ruga. What?
0: Let's ask our audience to do us one small favor before we start the show.
1: Okay, you can go on.
0: Okay. We would love it if you would write us a review and give us a rating on whatever podcast application that you're listening to us on. If you're on YouTube, Make sure to hit the like and subscribe button because we're going for 300 subscribers so we can get on this platform called Odyssey, which is a blockchain slash cryptocurrency based video platform. And we want to be on it, but we need 300 subscribers on YouTube. So that's your job. And now we're ready to start.
1: <laughs> I like your marketing spiel voice. It's almost like a, a different voice. Just this is my radio voice. Just get people to, to rate us. So yeah, lots of lot a lot has happened in Bitcoin in the past couple months. Actually, um, <laughs> I got a couple of referrals come in on our ShakePay link. Yep. On my phone, and me too. It was it was when Bitcoin was at uh, around eighty two thousand Canadian dollars, and, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was yesterday. Mostly yesterday, and mostly the day before yesterday. So I feel really. Really bad that Bitcoin dropped after then, and I really hope if you're listening to this episode, it's okay. That's just Bitcoin. It is going to continue to remain volatile for the foreseeable future, but worry not, it will gain stability over a longer period of time. So,
0: Isn't it funny how our inboxes and the amount of requests and form submissions that we get rises proportionately to the price of Bitcoin, though?
1: yeah, Yeah, I know. But hey, I mean... Oh, that's good. That's we should be fine a then. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I like in one way that sucks. But in another way, we all just wanna make more money. True. That's what we're working towards. Money is what money's the fabric that enables us to do what we want in this world. And if we wanna do what we want, we need money to do it. Now of course, I think maybe a monk would disagree, but I'm not sure. <laughs> maybe not modern monks. Um, you don't I don't know there's so many contradictions there just with what i'm saying because i know you don't need money to be happy for example or to live your life but that's not true either we're just we're living in a world where you can't be a hermit in the forest and survive off of hunting animals and living under a tree um so it's such a nuanced world and i keegan i know that even in your newsletter you've talked a lot about how the price of bitcoin doesn't matter excuse me but I think that secretly or subconsciously, the price at which Bitcoin is traded at definitely matters for us. It
0: matters to a lot of people, and it does matter it, to it us. It matters
1: to us. Yeah, it matters to us too. And it's so like nuanced when you talk about how it doesn't in your newsletter. I find. Well, it I think that there's a, a
0: hyperized focus on the price, like the, and I'm gonna just air quote the media here. And, and no, I- with respect to just like the general uh, topic of conversation, when Bitcoin is rising is not necessarily like how many people or like which institutions or who's actually adopting it and what like other kind of metrics we look at. We we kind of just use the price as a proxy for that.
1: It also depends on what media channel you are tuned into. Is That's like why
0: I air quoted the yeah, media.
1: I know if you're using traditional media, then... Uh, well, if Bitcoin is considered an investment to uh, people who don't really know very, very much about Bitcoin, that's what they're going to focus on, right? Like if mm-hmm. the the share of Amazon just uh, like goes up by 10% tomorrow, that's definitely going to break news. But if Amazon comes up with some sort of efficient way of doing something within their <laughs> ecosystem, that's not going to break them news, even though that would be the ultimate cause of the price of anything going
0: Right. On. That's the thing that's noteworthy. But instead, what gets covered is uh, is the result, not the product.
1: It also depends on who's covering it. So if there's someone who specifically covers how Amazon is a, a like a multi billion dollar company, then they probably have their eyes set on it or ears tuned into mm. the sort of things that happen within Amazon. And if they have their private newsletter or a blog post, like we like media, I know that it's very easy to just air quote media or label the media as. Lump them all
0: into one category.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the we also we are part of the media. media. Yeah, (laughs) we have a podcast. You write a newsletter. There's so many people that provide information and broadcast it on the internet, and they are a source of truth or a resource of knowledge for someone out there. So, like, I don't like that. Whenever we talk about the media, we're talking about traditional channels. Most most often painting a bad picture of anything. We should probably stray away from that to remain more diplomatic. <laughs> about <laughs> it. Uh, Or I, I think more considerate of how much, how many more resources are out there to learn information.
0: I, I actually think that we do an all right job with that already. Like, and like for us, the the newsletter and our podcast, we're kind of the people that will talk about the, The product instead of the result right the the thing that leads to the price increase rather than the price increase itself
1: i don't know i'm saying with respect to like like generalizing the media Mm. because what we're doing is perpetuating the notion that the media is wrong and the media always perpetuates fake news uh, or news that is not noteworthy and even though that may be the case for uh, some (laughs) portion i i just feel like generalizing it and using it continuously to paint um a picture based on the kind of point that we want to drive home is not doing a fair so job.
0: You'd, you'd be like more comfortable if we'd actually give it a specific example of a of a misfact that is portrayed by a particular, like a specific news outlet.
1: Yeah, so exactly. So that we can like talk
0: about why that's not right, and we can actually dig into the details of why that's not right, instead of just generalizing and it's, yeah, not really contributing to the solution, but more so being a part of the problem.
1: Yeah, well, more I would say more so than. Saying what's right and what's not right, I think just drawing more attention to the the amount of context that always lacks when something is right. clickbaity. Right. So I know what you mean. Speaking of which, I mean, we we started talking about the price of Bitcoin, and it is exciting that Bitcoin is being adopted because at the end of the day, the thing that decides the price of Bitcoin is how many people are trading in whatever other currency from all around the world to buy Bitcoin, and the the price of Bitcoin is kind of a direct indication of the adoption of bitcoin because yeah. of the way that it is designed
0: right yeah it's I'd, I'd say it's a rough proxy right because if like we could not have any more users join the the bitcoin network in general and i think that we would still have a price rise like i'd still i still think that a lot of the market dynamics that are guiding the price in an upwards a generalized up uptre- upwards trend right now would continue if new users stopped coming to the Bitcoin network today and like paused for a year or something.
1: I know, but even that is such an unlikely scenario.
0: Right, it is unlikely. It's <laughs> it's not based on reality, right? Um, yeah. But I mean, like, so we kind of started this by saying that the price is the proxy for adoption, but it's a proxy. It's not an actual representation. And like talking more so about what are the driving factors is is... Fairly fascinating to me, like just the number of companies, institutions, and well, the the Chiva Wallet in in El Salvador, for example, like more people have access to the Lightning Network, uh, two months after they launched, than the entire country had access to banking infrastructure uh, four months four months ago. Which is wow, okay, so that country just instantaneously, more or less, gave their citizens access to the highest quality banking services.
1: You know what surprises me is to this day whenever I'm taking business calls or or talking to someone um, on the on the internet and I say we're going to El Salvador, I get the question, "Oh, why are you why are you going to El Salvador? That's such a random place." Um and then my answer is, "Well, they're the first country to make Bitcoin legal tender and we want to go there to be boots on the ground, check out how it is being adopted and report back to our audience on our podcast." And then the response is, oh, really? Like, they made Bitcoin legal tender? Okay, cool. Like, all right. And and then we continue to talk about our conversation. But the thing that's astonishing about that is that not a lot of people know that El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender. Like, that is the main currency that people transact in down in El Salvador in Central America. And I guess it doesn't help that probably not a lot of people knew about El Salvador in the first place. Including
0: us. Other than uh, like our Bitcoin Beach interview with Michael Peterson last year.
1: That's true. Like that
0: That's the first time that, that El Salvador came on my radar, more or less.
1: Right. Yeah. And I guess me too, because I've never even thought to travel to Central America before, um, before Bitcoin Beach. So yeah, you know what? Yeah, that's true. But I, I guess like the, the thing that astonishes me is the fact that a country, even if that country is El Salvador, a lesser known country, made Bitcoin legal tender. A lot more people would know that but but like there's so much going on in the world I don't, yeah it's not just, the
0: focal point it's I not know, like the thing that people pay attention to yeah. necessarily unless like you're in the crypto space then it's more or less a big deal
1: yeah, that's true.
0: But uh, yeah, great. So I wanted to elaborate or at least add to what you were saying about when you're talking to people and then you're telling them that like, hey, did you know El Salvador just made Bitcoin legal tender?
1: Oh, I, I didn't say did you know, but it, it's essentially like, oh, why are you going to El Salvador? Right. So, and the, the second question is like, is that is, are you taking a vacation? Um, and then the response So the
0: point that I want to make it. is that like the gravity of that decision is actually huge and un, unknown at this point. Like we're just building the, to a to a point uh, right now, like it's only been a couple of months uh, that they have instantiated this this new monetary network into their country, but the effect of that is 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 kind of unknown. But it's looking really positive so far. Uh, I mean, it's
1: and we'll see it for ourselves when yes. we're there in November,
0: right? Um, well, one of the main things that I <laughs> when I'm talking about El Salvador to other people, they say, "Hey, did you know that?" Uh, uh, what's his name, Bukele, yeah. uh, Nayib, Nayib Bukele, Nayib, yeah. um, like held held parliament at gunpoint and forced them to sign a bill. And uh, like after doing a little bit more research, it kind of does look like the the regime is becoming more and more authoritarian. But the thing that like looks really weird to me is the fact that they would want to make Bitcoin legal tender because that's the, the exact opposite Of what you would want to do if you wanted to increase your control over a population like money is one of the best ways and money control over the money is one of the best ways to have control over the populace but if you're a country that just said okay we're going to use an open source monetary network like bitcoin uh like i'm getting mixed signals there and i always want to like temper that argument or that debate Well, that point that other people make, like, hey, they're an authoritarian regime, like, they're probably just going to use this for money laundering. It's like, well, that might be so, but now these people have access to the most uh, egalitarian monetary network ever created. And, like, how do you reconcile those those two facts? You know what I mean, Margaret?
1: I do. And that is interesting because they did also airdrop $30 worth of bitcoin into everyone's wallet. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: Wait, bitcoin was that like 32k? Um,
1: and was that was it was it a Yeah, 32K? it's doubled now. Um well, the thing that is interesting and will be interesting for us to see for ourselves is we know already that if you control somebody's access to money, you can control access to their life where you can act you can control their lifestyle in several
0: facets of their life for sure in some
1: way shape or form exactly and if yes great that they gave everybody 30 dollars worth of bitcoin to start off with to see what it's like to transact in bitcoin
0: best way to learn it is to own it and
1: then to um play devil's advocate here the question becomes okay are people now relying on the government to give them money to play around with or is like, what is what's next? Uh, how is that transition actually taking place? How are people converting the U.S. dollar into Bitcoin in El Salvador? Are people doing that on their own? Um, are people, are like everyday people, people of businesses, people who work at uh, jobs in El Salvador, in local communities, are they finding any benefit to the fact that the country has gone ahead and done this? And all of those questions arise. So even if the country did... Um, you know, drop $30 worth of Bitcoin into everybody's wallet, are they going to continue supplying their citizens with money? And if they are, then that's one way to form reliance of your people on yourself. And even if Bitcoin is the most egalitarian money that there is, um, and a a global money at that, if you can control the... uh, The spigot,
0: the money spigot.
1: I don't know what the word spigot means, but if you can control how someone gets receives money then you're essentially controlling how much how how often they come back to you for it and And how
0: reliant you are on them exactly and like
1: how how can that be exploited into the future now this is you know me going down a really you play a good yeah tangent for devil's advocate but we don't know and
0: We're going to find out, though. I I know. Like, when we were down there in El Salvador a couple weeks from now, we're going to go to this Adopting Bitcoin conference. Yeah. And... Yeah, we're going to have boots on the ground. We're going to see exactly we're going to be at the
1: conference because there's going to be Bitcoin all over the world <laughs> at the conference in San Salvador. So we probably won't get a better idea of uh, what's happening in the local communities no, I, then. I
0: disagree. Like I, I, I don't I would yeah. imagine that there'll, there'll be lots of people from the local community that we can ask questions to mm-hmm. and like answer many of those those questions.
1: I disagree because I don't think the conference is taking place in in Spanish predominantly. No, it's it's like I'm. I'm. Listen. I'm part of the meet and greet group on LinkedIn, and I see these speakers popping up um, every now and again whenever they confirm a speaker. And I've, I, they're not. English, they're not Spanish speaking. Like we probably wouldn't. Okay, maybe not. We'd probably still go. But I. It's not half and half. Half Spanish, half English. Also, it's an adopting Bitcoin conference where we had to pay for our tickets solely on Lightning Network. Like um, El Salvador is only two months into giving everybody Bitcoin. I'm not right. sure anybody is going to want to learn more about this revolutionary technology at this conference this is more for the world this is more for El Salvador to attract people from all over and in some way shape or form stimulate their economy because they're gonna have so many tourists for um that like you know that period of time. yeah but I don't think we'll know what the communities are experiencing at that conference specifically that'll be after the conference when we actually go to El Sante and El Tunco I think it's called and yep. like travel around and see what's happening yeah right on cool (laughs) wow (laughs) i'm just like smashing all of your arguments today (laughs) Hard points that's fine yeah
0: i don't think that you smash them okay i think we're just we're just talking talking i know
1: i know it's like a lot of the things what i'm trying to um be conscious of in my speech is not try to portray things as right and wrong you um, do a very
0: good job of that already.
1: I know. And I slip sometimes. I remember in one of our episodes, <laughs> the episodes, I, I just straight out said to you, you're wrong. When I don't actually believe you're That's wrong. was with I, Kat, right? It was with Kat. Yeah. yeah. I was just disagreeing to what you said. Not meaning that what you were saying was either right or wrong. It was just what you were saying. Um, but you going back... You
0: always do that fairly very, very respectfully, though.
1: Yeah. the well, things. But anyway, what I'm trying to say is when we go to El Salvador... Like, I don't, I don't know if I can say outright that the fact that, if this is the truth, the fact that um, they were forced to sign adopting Bitcoin as legal tender, the parliament or the government, I'm not sure oh, what Oh, no, they, of, they
0: weren't, no. No, what
1: was... So what was the rumor you were talking about? Not a rumor. Well,
0: that was a while ago. I think that was last January or February. And I don't know the bill that, that, the bill that he had passed. them sign. But the Bitcoin bill was, was passed. But... It, like, here's here's the rub here, right? If if you bring guns into Parliament once, then, like, you only need to do that once to install fear, right? And once the fear is installed, like, well, you've got this Bitcoin bill now. Like, what's the consequences if I don't go along with, with the wishes? You know yeah. what I mean?
1: I know. And again, I'm not sure if we can portray this as, like, outright bad. Like, that's bad that they did that. Um, so everything else that came after it is bad.
0: Right. I um, just don't know enough, quite frankly. There's
1: not. Yeah, I know. There's not enough context. There's never enough context. There's never
0: enough context. <laughs>
1: like we can't we can't communicate with enough context in this linear sentences that we form. There has to be. Oh, gosh, just so much more to completely communicate the situation. And yet whatever is being communicated depends on how it is being interpreted by the person by listening, yeah, yeah to, to take what they want. So, yeah, it'll be a very interesting experience to see how that is. Going back to the price of Bitcoin, though, and, and like its adoption. It's it's a very interesting phenomenon to make peace with.
0: So, yeah, I kind of want to take this conversation in a bit of a different direction and talk about the infrastructure for a moment because we have some very <laughs> what you're laughing uh, some interesting phenomenon that like some observations that I want to bring forth to our listeners okay that is actually related to the price um, because oh, ultimately if you've got Bitcoin now and if Bitcoin continues to increase in price later you can do more things with the this infrastructure that I'm about to to tell you about and talk about. Okay. And I've been writing a little bit about this in the newsletter already. Um, one of these platforms is called Sovereign. Um, and if you're keeping tabs on what's happening on Ethereum and Solana and all these other cryptocurrency blockchains, whatever, they're all building DeFi platforms. So they're all building the ability to, to lend and to earn on, uh, within a yield farm and all these crazy DeFi things that basically put your money to work and you get some sort of Recurring revenue or passive income streams, but nothing really exists for that with Bitcoin um, outside of like wrapped Bitcoin or uh, BTCB on Binance chain, for example. So there's this one platform called Sovereign and it's entirely native to, to Bitcoin and it's a Bitcoin driven DeFi platform. And the specifically the infrastructure that I want to talk about is the three kinds of things that you can do with bitcoin you can like the blockchain is meant for settlement and final settlement of funds total finality of bitcoin moving from one place to another anywhere in the globe that's all well and good but it's not great for microtransactions well that's what the transaction and payments layer is for that's what lightning network is for but lightning network doesn't have the ability to do lending contracts for example or or yield farming or to earn a um like build a passive income stream with Bitcoin. And so that's what this DeFi layer is for. So I want our listeners to kind of like think about Bitcoin as more than just the blockchain that drives it all. It's actually the blockchain. It's a transaction and payments layer, which is which is Lightning. And then it's also a DeFi layer, which is sidechains and wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum and Binance chain and, and Sovereign that enables a way wider set of use cases for you to use your bitcoin later that's that's my spiel thoughts
1: we're so early in that as well right? like
0: yeah
1: how where are we at two percent of the population has adopted bitcoin
0: something like that between two and three percent yeah between
1: two and three i've been
0: calling it like 400 million people now
1: uh well with respect to all of these um innovations taking place on bitcoin we're so early. <laughs> I still think we're so early. And it's awesome that this is happening, though, because I think that Bitcoin will be adopted most when the way to get into Bitcoin is um, like a problem that is solved for countries that have a, a lot to gain from adopting that particular innovation. So. Wow, to decipher what I just said, um, I mean, like with respect to lending and borrowing, if that technology was available on Bitcoin itself and um, instead of going through an exchange to um, rely and trust the exchange to make that trade happen, um, if you could do that on Bitcoin itself, that's another reason why... a a large population or a large um, company institution would want to buy into Bitcoin to enable that for their clientele. True. And
0: so that's software is going to be at the adopting Bitcoin conference in, uh, in El Salvador. Like I think that what their mission is to do is to like, okay, now we've got a massive number of people that have access to Bitcoin. How can we give them a platform to do more things with it? And like you said, we're super early. Like the ba- the biggest barrier to adopting any one of these platforms that give you more ability to use your Bitcoin is is knowledge, um, and awareness. That like you first have to be aware that this need
1: platform- need is the third one.
0: Well, I think the need's already there. It's just mm-hmm. like, how do I solve that problem? Right? Like you have to be aware of how to solve that problem. You have to have the knowledge to implement the solution.
1: No, I think that um, well yeah, sure, yeah, I agree with you. I think that the need is unrecognized or the the need doesn't exist for certain um certain people
0: yeah i think sometimes i speaking personally when i have a problem sometimes i just like uh, conceptualize that problem as as part of my reality like a normal part of my reality do you know what i mean like it's not yeah. a problem that needs to be solved it's just the way that things are yeah i know and it's we're uh, in a bubble well, yes, we are. Yes. Yeah.
1: Like you and I, I know. I mean, all of us, everybody, even like every every single person has their own bubble of knowledge that they tap into. But with respect to like Sovereign and all of the cool things happening on on the Bitcoin blockchain um, and the things that, the three things, well, the two things that you talked about, what were they again?
0: Well, okay. The settlement layer, the no, transaction no, payments no, layer. No, no, Like um,
1: oh. Oh, I said need, need was the third thing but then awareness awareness and knowledge
0: knowledge so you need to be first to be aware that there is a solution to your problem you got to be first you have to admit that you have a problem then you need to be aware that there's a solution out there to fix your problem and then you actually have the need to have the knowledge to implement that solution
1: uh, and what is this problem again
0: uh well let's just take passive income for for example like okay we got an email from one of our uh, readers of the newsletter And they said, wow, you're making $200 a week on, or maybe it was a month, but I think I said week. We're making $200 a week by lending our Bitcoin or participating in yield farming on Sovereign. And they're like, that's a second job for most people. Like most people have to go out and seek a second job for that. But if you've got, and so we're lending about $12,000 worth of Bitcoin to Sovereign and that's a that's a fairly large amount of money. That's like to that,
1: begin with, yeah. Yeah,
0: like, that's a good chunk of savings. But if you can lock that chunk of your savings up and not have to take a second second job, like that is crazy. Like you're you're in this situation where you need more money. That's your problem. And you think that the only way to do that is to go to net and get another job. But here we are telling you and writing about the fact that there's other ways to solve that solution that requires that doesn't require you to sell more of your time you get to retain more of your time and this money just kind of makes itself. I mean, that's pretty epic. Um, so like, that's the awareness piece. The knowledge chunk is pretty difficult. Like all things considered, some of these platforms, they're clunky and they are they take a bit of understanding to wrap your head around how they work and to make sure that you're not doing anything incorrectly and securing your funds, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, that's what we, that's why we put out a bunch of content, Riga.
1: I know. What was... <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's <was> a fantastic <laughs> sentence
1: i was trying to say a lot of things at once <laughs> you said something you said that if your problem is needing money i don't think that needing money is a problem i think wanting to do something and needing money to do it but yes. not having the money is the problem
0: that's a much better way to put it
1: uh yeah yeah and
0: i kind of skipped that step didn't you <laughs> <laughs> my mind just goes straight to like no i need money <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, 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 with respect to classifying that as a problem. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like we actually need to dedicate an entire episode simply to talk about sovereign because like, I don't think we've ever, this is the first time we're even introducing what sovereign is. So if you could, on the podcast, on the podcast, if you could summarize what sovereign is in one line, what would you say it is?
0: It's a DeFi platform for Bitcoin.
1: And make it simpler for people who don't understand decentralized financing because like DeFi is a mouthful as well.
0: It's a platform that allows you to lend Bitcoin and earn interest on it. It's a platform that allows you to trade uh, without needing access to an identity. Trade Bitcoin for other tokens such as the U.S. dollar
1: without needing an identity. You without, mean for, like proof of identity? Yeah,
0: without needing a proof of identity. Okay. Yeah, so that that's actually a huge barrier for um, people in the developed world. Uh, like getting an identity actually takes months at a time sometimes you if
1: mean developing world
0: developing worlds yes okay. um, you said
1: developed world. oh
0: sorry yeah no <laughs> no we've got a really quite super easy here it's amazing um like i can get an identity within a week but in a lot of places like these articles that i'm reading like you get turned on to bitcoin now and you don't have an identity well guess what you got to wait three months before you can give out before you, you can even get your identity card then you need to wait while any particular exchange processes your KYC application. Yeah. And that is such a pain in the butt.
1: Yeah. I'm sure. That's that's super cool. I didn't know that you didn't need KYC in order to start using Sovereign right away. Yeah. Which is why we should probably do an entire episode simply talking about sovereign. Someday. But you did do a newsletter on it and yes. you did talk about sovereign on there. So and we'll link it in the show notes. We will if if everyone listening, if you like reading newsletters or like reading
0: in general? in general <laughs> do you like reading
1: <laughs> <Okay>. well <laughs> reading about bitcoin i guess you should definitely check out keegan's newsletter because he does write really well very good very good writer um yeah well that's that
0: cool Shall we move on to another topic
1: uh i don't know i just i, I kind of want to name one topic one thing and then talk extrapolate do you mean on one it. episode Yes, I want to extrapolate on one topic instead of jumping topics, because then this is solely because I don't know what to name (laughs) the (laughs) episode. We've talked about sovereign, we've talked about all-time high, we've talked about El Salvador, we talked about adoption.
0: Well, we can. What am I gonna name this episode? I think we'll name it something like "What's Behind the Price Rise" or something like that. What's behind new the Bitcoin Bitcoin's new all-time high?
1: Yeah, but there's so much more behind Bitcoin's new all-time high. That's why
0: I wrote down like three other topics in the show notes here, Margo. Like, There's so much more that we can be diving into right now, and it all okay. fits under the category. Okay,
1: what is another reason for the price rise in Bitcoin?
0: Okay, Bitcoin ETFs.
1: Oh yeah, that's true. That's a huge one. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about it. Okay,
0: an electronically traded fund. What is that? Um, I think... <laughs> okay so first off we actually discussed this with Brendan woods um
1: yes if you haven't checked out those two sets of episode highly recommended yeah, he, he has, breaks it down oh my gosh he's so good at articulating everything that he's learned and he like he learned it from scratch like wait that's weird everyone learns everything from scratch learning <laughs> that's wow that's a really weird set of sentences well the way that like, he his background wasn't in finance and he learned it simply out of curiosity and continued to learn it and now he's A business around it Um, but what most impressed me is the way that he articulated information and some terms in traditional finance that I was never aware of so if you haven't checked those two episodes out because it was a two-parter it was a two-parter highly recommended Brendan's a cool guy Brendan what is his name and I think it's episode 79 and 80 there you go yeah okay ETFs
0: so ETFs The way I like to think about this is it's um, just a way to buy Bitcoin through um, the traditional financial system, TradFi. Um, Now, there's a small nuance on this, and that's the ETFs are not actual spot ETFs. They're futures ETFs. And so maybe we just take a second to uh, let our listeners know what the difference between spot and futures are. Um, Spot is you're actually owning the asset. So if there was a spot ETF, you would be buying Bitcoin directly directly through uh, the traditional financial system. Whereas this is a futures ETF, which means you're betting on the rise and fall of Bitcoin. And so now, uh, like players like Wall Street and and big big banks in the United States, I think that there's just been two big ETFs launch in the United States in the last week. And that's that's just super bullish news in general, because it's it's more institutional adoption, it's more regulation, it's more acceptance from the established banking class or the established financial class. And so people look at that and they're like, wow, Bitcoin is not going anywhere seemingly. It actually seems to be growing in terms of what uh, who, who has access to it and in which ways they can access it. So. I mean, if I was to point to a single thing that led to Bitcoin's price rise in the last week or two, I would say it's this news, not necessarily the thing itself, not necessarily the new money coming into the system, because, um, yeah, because it's futures contracts and not spot, right? So they're not actually driving the price up. They're just betting on the price. Uh, But the news itself is is really bullish. So there you go.
1: Big news. Well, what does that mean for people who want to...
0: Um, (laughs) nothing (laughs) sorry finish your question
1: no why did you say nothing to
0: uh because i thought you were going to like say something like what's it mean for people who just like want to buy bitcoin like randomly around the world and whatnot i should have let you finish
1: no that's fine i think that bitcoin etfs are so interesting because even though they're a good um, sign for adoption of bitcoin it kind of goes against complete ownership of Bitcoin or like, yes, um, it does. What's that word that I'm looking for? It's like self sovereignty or sovereignty, sovereignty with yeah. the with having ownership over your money because you're still like one degree away from owning Bitcoin and trading Bitcoin. And I find that super interesting. That well, I guess I don't find it super interesting. I think that it makes complete sense that Bitcoin ETFs exist and why people want to have it because I think a, a portion of the population finds comfort in having that one degree of separation between themselves and Bitcoin. So, yeah, Yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Do you know what events led to this ETF finally being approved in the States? Because we had, you know, Canada approved ETFs way before the States.
0: Yeah, I think we did last, like it was December 2020 or something like that. And our ETFs are actually, so we've got one that's an index and that's not actually directly buying Bitcoin. But then in Canada, we actually have I'm pretty sure it's a spot ETF, um, which like if you're buying this particular ETF, that would affect the price on the larger global scale. And that's my understanding of it. That's not necessarily correct. So (laughs) just take that with a grain of salt.
1: but do well, you know what? If- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I didn't answer your question at all. Uh, okay, so here's a little historical background for that. The Winklevoss twins, they actually have been trying to establish a Bitcoin ETF since something like 2016 and 2017. So it's not like some people in the States just got this bright idea earlier this year to do an ETF for Bitcoin. That This is like four or five years in the making, which is one of the reasons why it's pretty exciting because it's... Um, well, they finally, I guess, got the proposal to the uh, to the authorities. I'm pretty sure that's the SEC in the states to say, "Yep, this is this all checks out. The regulations there, like we can control this, we can regulate it." So, yes, approved. Let's go do this. And it's just in a nutshell. Yeah, in a nutshell. And it's just one extra step, right? It's just one more step forward to Bitcoin being completely integrated into the financial system. That that is the one that we're all living in Mm -hmm.
1: yeah
0: Mm -hmm. did I even answer your question
1: uh you said well it sounded like the the Voss twins were um like a majority effort putter what is that spearheaders (laughs) 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 is there a word for that
0: yes there is and like it's (laughs) on the tip of my tongue as well (laughs) so maybe we'll just Uh. (laughs) trailblazers
1: They're trailblazers. <laughs> not effort putters. <laughs> effort
0: putters. Synonyms are fun. Um, I don't know if they're actually responsible for it. I'm pretty sure they're not. But they, as far as I know, they're the first people that I heard of that were trying to instantiate one. And that was like that was a while ago. It may have even been as far back as 2014, but that's that was way too early,
1: obviously. Mm, yeah. Oh. Yeah. You said 2013 or 18? 2014. Four-
0: <laughs> I, like, I think they're trying, <laughs> trying as early as 2014. Um, like, I think I officially heard of it in 2016 or 2017. And then it's only now that that we got one. I right say on. we, but I'm not American.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, right on. Well, uh, with, I read a, the Pomp newsletter earlier today, and he talked about how the Houston firefighters pension... Okay, here, I'm going to read it out loud. The first public pension funds buys bitcoin directly and that is the houston firefighters pension fund has officially become the first pension fund in the united states to purchase and directly hold bitcoin in their portfolio so this shows me that they didn't purchase bitcoin etf they purchased bitcoin directly right
0: which is obviously the recommended way to, to do something like this
1: right on and like we're just seeing more and more adoption not simply well like well yes because of the bitcoin etf what sort of institution enables trading of that? Because whoever they are, they need to buy Bitcoin in order to have an ETF that points to it. You'd be able to, points to it.
0: buy the ETF through like your brokerage account, for example.
1: So I have a question here. Yeah. How, how do like Bitcoin ETFs even work? So for example, like if I'm offering um, a Bitcoin, if I'm selling a Bitcoin ETF, do I need to own Bitcoin to sell a Bitcoin ETF? Is that like a direct one-to-one pick or do you just sort of create um, an unarbitrary number of, like,
0: Hypothetical ETFs.
1: Hypothetical Yeah, no, whatever the ETF points do. Like, what is the ticker symbol of this ETF?
0: I, I actually don't know. And there's two of them. So uh, they'd have two different ticker symbols.
1: Let's call ABCD. Let's say ABCD. So remember like, how many ABCDs are issued? And do I need to own Bitcoin to issue X number of ABCDs?
0: Uh, in a spot? In in a spot ETF, yes. Okay. So because as far as I know, you'd have to actually like the company that it's it, that's selling or administrating the ETF would have to have some amount of Bitcoin in reserve, especially because there's only a limited amount of Bitcoin in existence, right? They can't just come out and say, "Okay, we're selling 22 million Bitcoin on this." 22 million are available, right? That just doesn't work. They actually need to go out and acquire that amount of bitcoin in order to sell it through an etf that has to be backed okay yeah they can't do a but fractional is reserve a, situation i
1: wonder though like do you think it's a one-to-one bag so if someone that's
0: 100 gonna happen sometime i wonder
1: i wonder if like if no one's checking or if no one's regulating it i wonder if there can be fractional fractional representation of um the bitcoin etf that are being traded so like yeah. if i only have five bitcoin but i'm going to sell 10 bitcoin abcds um and like that being the the whatever pointer to a big whatever bitcoin etf that'd be interesting to like see how it unfolds over the next couple of years or even months because things are moving pretty fast
0: so for this with respect to uh the futures bitcoin etfs um as far as i know as i understand it uh no no bitcoin actually has to be owned because they're not it's they're just trading contracts right like i'm actually just betting on on a on the price of Bitcoin in the future, and I'm selling you a contract or I'm buying a contract from you.
1: Wait, really? Yes. But then how is money made?
0: Uh, well, if I'm wrong, then I pay you. And if I'm right, then you pay me. And we're just... It's a—it's an agreement. It's a, it's a locked-in agreement to, to pay each other depending on the outcome of the bet.
1: Wow. I'm going to have to read more about ETFs because it sounds...
0: Well, I'm just describing futures right now. I'm just describing yeah, options and futures. Okay.
1: I think I just need to know more about what an ETF actually is. Because you did just describe something that comes into existence out of thin air and people make money off of it.
0: Well, look, actually, you and I could create an options contract or a futures contract but right here on ETF. the episode. that's not
1: electronically. electronically Right. Yeah, it's like that's a kind of an ETF.
0: No, that th- that'd be a kind of futures contract, but what makes it an ETF is the fact that that ability to create a contract between two people or two institutions is or whatever. Traded. It's traded and it's embedded within the uh the financial infrastructure that permeates all of America.
1: I don't understand well this is so interesting. I actually don't <laughs> understand how that has value because you're just like you said trading bets at that point.
0: Yep. Yeah, so we've got a buddy and I, he'll remain unnamed, but uh, he does not love futures. Every time I talk to him about futures, he's like, that's just like the shadiest, weirdest stuff. There's like no value there for society. And that's, that's what reminded me of that because yeah. he just said like, well, what's the perp- What's Where the point? Why would I do that? Why would anyone do that?
1: Well, it's, it's like you're creating a reason to bet and gamble on something and it then make money off of it.
0: That's a good way to put it yeah
1: okay but we're still not talking about etfs wow i need to educate myself on etfs I've, this is more so do I. like an <laughs> it's been like, education session for me too yeah yeah okay cool right on well i think that we've covered everything that you've written down here key to talk about the bitcoin
0: i want to install one meme as a parting as a parting way to end this episode a meme a meme
1: okay
0: uh, do you know the definition of a meme
1: I don't know what the definition is, but I know what it is.
0: Okay. Well, I'd like the definition as uh, one of my favorite people in the world. His name is Terrence McKenna. And he says, a meme is the smallest unit of an idea. And we know memes now in the 21st century uh, as like, you know, you go online, you look at a picture, it's got like a person with a weird face and then like some words accompanying that face that makes you laugh. Like that's a meme now, right? But really what they're communicating is an idea. Anyway.
1: How old are memes?
0: Memes? Oh, well, I'd say memes are as old as thought itself, right? It's just we didn't have <laughs> okay. a name for thought.
1: <laughs> All yet. right. Yes, this turned into
0: a philosophical <laughs> co- podcast. Now. What?
1: What did you want to say? <laughs>
0: um, I'm gonna like I'm gonna give this meme now, but in the future, expect to hear this exact me say the exact same thing because I actually really want to permeate this idea because I think it's a really powerful idea, and that's the the richest person in the world will soon be no one. And by no one, I mean Satoshi, Satoshi Nakamoto, as long as that person remains anonymous um, at certain, some point in the future when Bitcoin is reaches some price, um, I'm not sure what that price might be, but they will be the richest person in the world. And I desperately want the world to stop fighting and demonizing rich people uh, because I don't think that that's a very productive use of our, our energy to demonize these people. I don't think that they're responsible for the, the hardship on the planet. So I want us to have no one to target for that. Do you know what I mean?
1: What's the meme?
0: The meme is that the richest and the richest person in the world is no one. and that's not quite the case yet, but it will be the case in the future when Bitcoin um, rises above some certain value, it's probably like two hundred thousand US dollars each, then Satoshi will be the richest in the world, right? right. Satoshi will be more rich than Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk. And at that point, like I'm scrolling through Facebook, I'm scrolling through Twitter and like I, I see some people like burn Jeff Bezos host down. It's like, oh, cool. Like what would that accomplish? Um, <laughs> like, why would you do that? Why would you burn someone's host down? Because they're rich. Like, I don't I don't get that mentality. I don't know. I don't get the mentality of wishing ill on someone. And so I, I want there to be no one.
1: That you can wish ill that, upon. That you can
0: wish ill upon. That's exactly right. I
1: think people can still wish ill upon them, but there's no one to hold that identity. And I wonder if that'll make a difference in, like, not wishing ill upon them.
0: I wonder too. Yeah, that'll
1: yeah. be an interesting thing to encounter in the future.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. Thank Take you. Thanks, <laughs> <Bam! laughs> Um...
0: Okay, so for our listeners, we're just simulated punching me in the face.
1: (laughs) You said take us out. Take
0: us out, yes. I mean, uh, end the episode. Uh, Give our listeners something, some expectation of what's happening in the future.
1: Oh yeah, we have some very, very exciting interviews that are coming out in the future. Uh, But I I do actually want to do my own marketing spiel, and that is, if you are enjoying listening to our content, please think of one friend who at least say this episode, they would really enjoy this episode and recommend it to them, um, share it to them in a message or you know whatever social media messaging app and ask them to listen to it because at the end of the day, it's not the likes or the subscribes that are going to get this information out. It's people listening to it and people who are listening to it right now recommending it to other people and like spreading through word of mouth and honestly I think like that's the best way to um, disseminate information is yeah, that correct? Word of mouth. like yeah distribute yeah. Um, <laughs> insemination the wow.
0: oldest method we know of uh,
1: yeah exactly so that would be amazing for us and hopefully for you and the person that listens to this episode and gains value from it because that is what we want we want to educate you and help you understand things the way that we understand them and like at the end of the day find it valuable information so yes find a friend tell them to listen to this episode and have a great day yes great this is how i want to take us out as keegan says well everyone thank you for tuning in and um i really look forward to you listening to the next couple of episodes that are coming out because they are really exciting yeah oh i love talking to people and getting their stories to you so i hope that you you feel the excitement as it comes through all right, the last time now. Stay tuned and, and talk to you later.
0: The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palwi, and the guests on the GoFull Crypto Podcast are solely their own and are not intended as financial advice. The content discussed is for informational purposes only.